Granting the Future from EY. Hello and welcome to Granting the Future, a new podcast series from EY for grant and public fund managers around the world. I'm your host, Tim Smith, and each episode we'll be sharing expert insight about transforming the grants process to overcome challenges and meet citizens' needs. This time, our theme is how to build systems to manage projects that deliver impact in complex and changing environments. To discuss this, I'm joined by Dr. Pradeep Kurukula Saraya, Director and Executive Coordinator of Environmental Finance at the United Nations Development Programme. Pradeep, hello, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Tim. Good to be here. Well, good to have you with us. Also joining us is Mariam Hussein, EY International Fraud and Corruption Investigator. Mariam, hello to you. Hello, Tim. Delighted to be part of this conversation. And last but by no means least, Simon Ingalls, leader of the EY Grants and Relief Funding Management Team. Simon, hello. Thanks for joining us as well on this podcast today. Hi, Tim. Great to be here as well. Well, Simon, let me start with you. First of all, give us some hard truths about the kind of challenges affecting the management and distribution of grants funding. Well, it's a great place to start, Tim. I think the context around grants is really important here. Grants operate in complex dynamic systems. These systems will change around the grant as it progresses. With each actor moving, so does that environment, that that system that the grant's working in change. So we have the impact actors. These are the people who are getting funding and we're relying on to deliver the impact, whether that be economic or social or environmental. And then we have the threat actors who are looking to defraud schemes or just simply disrupt them because it's in their political interest to do so. And what's really important in this space is the agility of the teams who are in the space to change and refocus and adapt to that threat, which we see is a real struggle in, the, in this area. And we have to bear in mind that, that those threat actors are often more nimble and are happy to fail. Fail first, move fast is one of the ways of trying to defraud a scheme. You try one way, you try another one. So the challenge is for us, I think, is can the overall system be agile enough to counter the threats and maximise impact? And given that dynamic changing environment, what would you say are the most common system failures that can compromise the distribution of grants funding? From our perspective, the common failures around designing for a static world. It should be like this, therefore it shall be like this. I think we see a lot of siloed approaches as well, where we need to join up this process from end to end. Everyone needs to have the end in mind. I think they do, particularly in Predict's organisation, but in some of the other organisations we work with, we see efficiency being more important than impact in some of the stages of that. And, and following on from that, we're seeing people with incomplete, duplicate or inaccurate data, which makes reporting, identifying trends or threats very, very hard and certainly almost impossible to do in real time which is in this dynamic environment you need to be able to do. Okay, well, Pradeep, let me bring you in now. Give us a sense, an overall sense of the scale of grant funding your team at the United Nations Development Programme overseas. I mean, in terms of value, the number of donors and things like the number of countries. We operate at present uh, nearly $5 billion worth of grant funding uh, that is essentially going through UNDP books in nearly 140, uh, 141 countries uh, around the world. And these funds uh, that we manage uh, leverage uh, a further $20 billion worth of additional finance that's flowing to countries for urgent actions on nature, climate, energy, um, and chemicals and waste. And what are the main challenges today then that your team face when ensuring that grant funding reaches the correct beneficiaries and also achieves its intended impact? 
Yeah, I mean, Tim, I think, you know, first and foremost, it's really important to bear in mind the the context in which uh, these funds uh, go to work. Uh, and that is a very heterogeneous uh, context. Um, we operate across uh, different parts of the world, from the Pacific to West Africa, to the Caribbean, to Latin America. We operate in middle-income countries to low-income countries. Uh, we operate in cities rural areas, and, and that brings such a diversity of issues uh, to the forefront when it comes to risk management that the context, first and foremost, I think is the most important uh, factor for us. And of course, as an organization, what that means is we then have to have a, a very robust risk management system in place in order to manage what is a very dynamic risk uh, environment in which we operate. Okay, well, talk us through the risk management in slightly more detail, if possible. I mean, how does the UNDP manage the risks of fraud and corruption in the funding process, especially in those high-risk environments that you mentioned? Yeah, first and foremost, it's to recognise that you know managing risks isn't necessarily just the job of one person. It is actually a system, and in our case, we have what is uh, what we refer to as a multi-layered uh, system of risk management. So we. Uh, we have our first line of defense, which is essentially country offices who are uh, intentionally and, and very deliberately uh, made to account for project uh, risk management. So there's an entire process and, and system in place for country offices to follow through as they identify risks and, and figure out ways to manage uh, risks as they emerge. There's also an escalation uh, process in place uh, whereby for some risks um, that they themselves can't manage, they can escalate uh, to a to a second line of defense, which is essentially our what we refer to as our regional bureaus, uh, our, our sort of central organizational management uh, framework that is based in New York, uh, who have the ability to respond to uh, risks escalated from country offices or themselves escalate risks as they see it. You know, there are regular structured discussions uh, that take place with country offices uh, on a regular basis to understand uh, what the uh, ever-changing risk environment, you know, looks like and, and what needs to be dealt with. And then there's also another central uh, unit, which I lead, uh, the Vertical Fund uh, Oversight Compliance and Program Support Unit that plays a third uh, line of, of defense along with the headquarter machinery uh, to make sure that uh, nothing essentially uh, slips through the system or at least minimizes the chances of it doing so. And on top of that, we have our independent offices um, of uh, audit and investigation, ethics office uh, that operate independently and do their own checks on, on how the UNDP system essentially is functioning uh, in its uh, risk identification, risk management process. In addition to that, of course, we operate with a number of donors who have their own processes and systems in place for risk management. So it's really through this multi-layered system that uh, we are able to minimize the uh, issues of negligence or misidentification or non-identification of risks that obviously we all want to minimize. 
Well, Mariam, let me turn to you now. You've been listening to what Pradeep was saying. It's clearly a complex issue, and you've been investigating fraud in the public and private sectors for 20 years. When there are cases of large-scale grant funding, corruption and fraud, are lessons learned and, and processes changed? Presumably, in a perfect world, they are. But are some mistakes repeated? Yeah, in my experience, I think lessons are often learned about the importance of the adequacy of financial safeguards. But the repeated failures are often in adapting that knowledge to a new local context. So ultimately, large-scale fraud and corruption is about power in a system. Who has the power and incentive to divert funds at a large scale? And conversely, who are often the coalitions with the power and motivations which are aligned with the program objectives? And this analysis is actually very complex, especially if you overlay that with a fragile state or in a conflict environment. But in my experience, this understanding is really critical in how we implement the technical solutions to make sure that the funds do get to the right place at the right time to deliver the intended impact. You talk about technology. I mean, how are developments in technology then helping to prevent and detect fraud and corruption? The common criticism whenever there's a major scandal or fraud or corruption case is that the response was too slow. Individuals were too slow to detect the early warning signs and they were too slow to respond to them. Addressing this, of course, requires decision makers to get timely information about a developing situation to enable them to intervene. I think where technology can help is in monitoring of project spend and delivery that is more active and less after the event and is more real-time and with shorter reporting lines of findings to those decision makers that who can intervene at an early stage. Pradeep, how, how do you think the early warning signs that compromise the ability to achieve strategic objectives can be better detected in the grants process? Yeah, indeed, this is something we are currently exploring in UNDP, particularly with the advent of AI technology. You know, what we are finding is that uh, certainly looking at some of the cases we've had to deal with in the past, the signals, if you like, have actually been in a number of reports, whether they be annual monitoring reports or midterm evaluations or terminal evaluations that have taken place. But, you know, we're talking about literally hundreds and pages of documentation that to date has been very difficult to process, given certainly for an organization like ours, where we're dealing with uh, multiple, you know, hundreds of projects at any given time. What we are now toying with, and we've actually demoed the capability of using AI at the recent uh, Jeff Assembly in Vancouver, is a fascinating ability to be able to identify patterns in these reports that previously it was very difficult to extract that information. It's becoming another tool um, in our sort of effort to minimize certainly resources being uh, misused in any shape or form. Having said that, at the end of the day, uh, nothing works better than eyes on the ground. And our capability, certainly our presence in many of the countries that we operate, certainly gives us uh, an added advantage through um, physical verification of results and impacts and, and certainly managing vendors and so on that becomes hugely beneficial and advantageous for an organization like ours to manage the kind of volume and scale of resources that's entrusted in us. 
finally, can I get all of your thoughts on how preventative and flexible measures can be applied to improve the response to the threats that we've been talking about generally? Simon, let me put that to you first. Well, I think as we've all talked about, we, we know that the threats are out there and we know the complexities are there. What we don't really know is exactly how they'll manifest themselves in any given day or in any given grant program. And I think it's also important to bear in mind that a grant program in, in itself, it you know, it changes over time. And, you know, those complexities arise, we find the impact's been undermined or we've, we've got a particular threat. We often don't see those until after the fact. And as Marion was saying, it's important that we get better at real, are getting a real-time view of what's going on. And, to, and But to do that, we need to build agility into the people, the processes and the technology. Primed for that agility, people must expect to change. Resistance to change is a problem in every part of the corporate world, the business world. But actually, this is where every change is coming. We know it's coming and we need to be able to respond in a calm, measured, proportionate way to mitigate the threat or that complexity. And that means we need to be looking at newer technologies, always on the forefront of, of the technology, trialing things, but with that, we also have to have processes that allow that information to be collected from different sources in real time into a single place. And that way, we create a single source of truth for people to run reporting at. Pradeep talked about running AIs to look for patterns. But if the information is in different places, you can't do that. You have to have the information coming together in a single place so that you can apply an AI or just simple data analytics to start to see if there are patterns there. And that then allows us to change the team on the ground so that we, you know, we deploy more people, that quite short noted. Will we add additional steps or require additional reporting or data in the process? So all the way moving through and that threat, but also for the complexities that reduce impact from our, for the dollars that are being spent. How can we get more at focus on being better and happy to change what we do for better rather than wanting to continue down the same path. And Mariam, your thoughts on that, how to improve the response to the threats? I would reiterate the importance of sufficient monitoring and evaluation to understand the development impact of efforts, because that in itself is a significant lead indicator of major fraud and corruption. Um, there is an excellent lessons learned report that was issued by the Special in in Inspector General for Afghanistan Reconstruction, CGAR, which is in the public domain, and um, one of the chapters talks about the fact that the absence of what they call periodic reality checks creates the risk of doing the wrong thing perfectly. And I think that spans across all of the different risks. And Pradeep, anything you'd like to add? Yeah, I mean, I think a few points. One, I think, and Simon alluded to this, uh, culture. Uh, ultimately, you need a very strong culture in place to ensure that the risk management practices are what they're meant to be. Uh, number two, I think associated with that is to ensure that accountability, individuals across the system are held to account and, and the, the absence of measures that uh, enforce that accountability certainly uh, is, is a problem. Transparency, uh, you know, I think is really important in this process to ensure together with, I believe, a due process, um, we are able to act swiftly on, on what is found. And finally, I think I'd say the big issue that we're finding certainly is not the absence of tools and gadgets and policies and so on and so forth. It ultimately boils down to a very simple thing, application of what already exists. And I think if we do that, uh, we'll, we'll be almost there in terms of the kind of systems that we want to see. 
Okay, thank you very much. On that point, that is it for this episode. Thanks to all of you for such an interesting and enlightening conversation on what is clearly a complex, dynamic and extremely important subject. Pradeep, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. Thank you for having me. Mariam, thank you to you also. Thank you very much. And Simon, thanks very much. Thanks, Tim. Do join us again soon when we'll continue to look at transforming the grants process. And please subscribe to this series so you won't miss an episode. From me, Tim Smith, thanks for listening and goodbye. Granting the future. Back soon. Back soon.